The following program is intended for mature audiences. Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. It's Big Boom Radio Friday, people, so it's time once again for the Big Boom Radio podcast, Riffs and Rants, with Johnny Teflon and Michael Sean Lee. Both barrels, both sides, and a lot of good music, too. All I know is this violates every canon of respectable broadcasting. Indeed it does, my friend, indeed it does. And we'll be right back, folks, after the first gem of the day. some good fun right we're back not necessarily <laughs> oh, in a new york yeah. group but we're, we're back in some capacity man that yes. was that was cool i enjoyed that 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 took me back many years right many it was years. raw and it was fun and 
you know, what was that, people, 78? That was 1978. Nice. Off of uh, Ace Frehley's solo album. Yeah. And for the folks that don't know, it was in that year that the members of KISS, which was arguably at the time the hottest rock and roll band in the world. Very much so. Um, decided to each come out with their own album. Do you know the story behind that? <laughs> well, I didn't know you wanted to get involved with the discussion, Mr. Helper. The fact that they sold horribly? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, they didn't. They didn't actually all sell horribly, though. They had a competition uh-huh. between them, you know, as to which which album sold better. But no, that was an effort by uh, by Paul and Gene. I think primarily Gene to keep the band together. Huh. You know, at that point, everything was fracturing. Right. You know, and and as is frequently the case when you know bands have been together for a couple of years and they enjoy monumental success like mm-hmm. Kiss did. You know, it's like, I want to do my own solo shit now. Right. I don't want to give my songs to the band anymore. Huh. And so, you know, in in an effort to uh, promote unity, um, you know, the, the, the big thing, and this was definitely uh, Gene and Paul's, they always wanted to be the heavy metal Beatles. Hmm. As a matter of fact, I think there's a quote, a famous quote from Gene that said exactly that. And they were they were parroting you know the Beatles togetherness and whatnot right, you know right. they wanted the idea that they all lived in the same house and all that <laughs> other shit, and in uh, in order to, to to make everybody happy, they decided you know because I think it was Ace that primarily wanted to do his own shit, um, but they all said okay you know just to just to keep everybody happy we're all going to mm-hmm. do our own solo albums. And, you know, it's kind of funny because they regarded it as solo albums, but they used so many of the same musicians oh, sure, sure. And, and session players to play on each album and whatnot. But I think Ace, Ace won, the, won the battle of, like, most successful single. Oh, uh, definitely. Courtesy because, of New York Groove. And that's the only one that I can recall off of any of the albums. Yeah, I'm, I'm fairly, fairly certain that Paul's and, and Peter's tanked. Yeah. So it was, it was pretty much a, a competition between, uh, between Ace and Gene. Gene had that tune Radioactive. I think oh, it was okay. yeah, that, yeah. that got that got some airplay back yep. in the day. Yep. But uh, but in a testimonial to you know how successful Ace was, I actually had the forty five RPM single wow. of New York Groove. Like way back in the day, I was a little kid at that point in time, and huh. uh, and if I remember correctly, the the flip side had a song called Snowblind, which you know, as a little kid, I was thinking Ace was talking about you know. Some night driving back to New York when the weather Actual wasn't snow, right. yeah the weather wasn't working you know but I come Rube. to find out many many years later that was his nod to cocaine yeah. you know which was which was Ace's fuel at the time that's what kept him going hmm. but uh, but yeah obviously New York Groove that that takes me back anyway all right, right well then I tell you what mission accomplished yeah that was a Johnny inspiration it was a Johnny inspiration yeah. and it's funny that you should uh, use the word unity. When you were describing uh, what Gis was going for well, at, at yeah, that time, what the effort behind it was, yeah, because you know, not to let the cat out of the out of the bag too soon, but our um, our theme, if you will, for this episode is, in short, America. Yeah, Americana. Yeah, Americana yeah. songs that reflect who we are, or were, or maybe will be. Um, so yeah, so we'll like leave that on on the warmer <laughs> on the stove right now. So that's like the theme. It's all about America. Yeah, we're, we're all exploring exploring this great great country of ours. Sure, and I tell you what, and it is great. All kidding aside, and it's been put into stark relief because, as you know, the election is over. We have ourselves a new president. Yeah, he has officially been sworn in. Yeah, 
And, and we finally get to talk to talk about this now that the shooting has stopped. Right. It now seems. that the, the vitriol <laughs> is, is dialed down a yeah, smidge. It's just a little bit. Yeah. It's it's time to, you know, reflect. But we're not gonna go too far back. We're just gonna look at events of the other day, the actual inauguration. Yeah. So people were watching this as if it's like an awards show. Now. Well, it, that's what it's become. Exactly. You know? and, uh, and I don't know if you had, had, I know you work hard during the day, and I don't. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you had the benefit of the fact of, of, of being able to watch it as it happened. No, unfortunately, I, I didn't. I got it a lot of the information kind of secondhand. Secondhand, like a recap. I think you and yeah. I yeah, traded text later on in the evening, but it was a bizarre yeah. thing. And you were very conciliatory. For the, thank you. Yeah, yeah, no problem. <laughs> I think I was drunk at that point. Well, I think no, was, no, honestly, was folks, he was, he was very conciliatory. He was reminding me to breathe yes, as I, everybody I did was doing that. I did do that. I do remember doing that, yes. And I'm looking at the text like, it's really not that bad. I'm, <laughs> I'm over it. But, um, you know, there's something fascinating about the, uh, the inauguration speech. Yeah. And they always say, well, what are they going to talk about? What do you think they're going to touch on? And uh, that prompted me to do a little bit of research, which is not the norm for me. I like to hit it spontaneously. Well, no, but it is, it is right, up the, right up your wheelhouse. You are a bit of a historian, I must say. I do. I love history because I always say it's, it's cyclical and things come back again. Yep. So um, I found a website, and I believe it was affiliated with the Library of Congress, where they listed for you to download or just read every single inauguration address that there's ever been. Right. And as I'm going through, you know, reading the first couple paragraphs of each president from Washington on up, a couple things uh, struck me as humorous. Com- humorous? Really? Yes, because there are, you know, there are times when they address uh, current events. Sure. And there are times that they, you know, wax poetically. There are times that they quote scripture. Yeah. But I would say far and away the most common theme out of the 50-some-odd inauguration uh, speeches that we've had so far is the common thread of talking about unity and the need for unity and a coming together just like we've got right now. Doesn't, Doesn't that speak volumes? For it does, you know, the, the, the situations, <laughs> yeah, the situations that these presidents have inherited. Yep. You know, I, uh, I I did a little backtracking myself because you and I talked about it. You know, over the off week, and uh, I was checking out uh, FDR's speech mm-hmm. uh, back in 1932 when he inherited a country that was in the throes of the Great Depression. Yep. And uh, and just because uh, I was looking at you know remarkable one-liners, I guess you could say. <laughs> In some of these speeches, I also took a look at JFK's uh, mm-hmm. inaugural speech in '61. He didn't inherit so much of a crisis as um, uh, an overall cultural s- shift situation. Well, he stepped in during the part of the Cold War, mm-hmm. and yeah, there was a big cultural shift at that time as well. So he was dealing with a couple of different things, but it wasn't it wasn't like. You know, it was something right in his face where it was like, you need to deal with this right now, or your predecessor did not get reelected because of this. Right. You know, right. which was, I think, one of the, one of the few benefits that JFK uh, had in getting elected at the time. But, uh, but yeah, it, it, it is kind of funny how uh, over the years so many of these inaugural speeches have been pleased to the American public to a great degree. Yeah, you and know. you know, certainly some more eloquent than others. Indeed. And like I said, some of them had uh, major um, countrywide events as a backdrop. For instance, um, Abraham Lincoln's speeches 
Oh um, God! Even could, could any of any any one of these presidents inherited a worse situation, right? Than Abraham Lincoln in the Civil War. My and it was God. funny because even several presidents after him, when Grant took office, he still more or less you know had to allude to the events of the Civil yeah. War. Yep. But to both of their credit, they they spent the majority of their inauguration speech talking about unity and the way that we should be treating each other as fellow Americans, regardless yeah. of our personal differences, yeah. as brothers and as family so that everybody can prosper moving forward. I want the people to know that they still have two out of three branches of the government working for them, and that ain't bad. And that's something that you still see again to this very day. Indeed. Now, for a while, it didn't really go, let's say, that route. Um... The Bush years really wasn't much of a mention of that. Yeah, he didn't have to plead for unity. Right, you know, and neither did Bill Clinton in either one of his this is true. inaugurations. Yep. And not that they yep. were, you know, ticky-tack, but they that wasn't needed right then and there. there. Yeah, there wasn't something like, you know, a civil war right in their face to say, hey, you need to address this, you need to address this right. immediately, right. coming right out of the gate. And it's funny, because even um, like when Reagan first took office, he had a, a line in his inauguration speech saying that uh, government is not the solution to our problem, government is the problem. Yeah. And then almost as a good-natured wink and a nod to it, Clinton did mention it in his second inauguration ad address, today that we can declare government is not the problem, and government is not the solution it says we the american people we are the solution so yeah and we're the problem too yeah but, you know, <laughs> but that see, that may very well have been a response yeah. to what ron said because you're talking about the difference between conservatives and liberals democrats and republicans right. republicans you know i i think that was a very very insightful and very shrewd thing for reagan to do because he named the boogeyman coming right out of the mm -hmm. gate you know this is what we're going to fight against and i don't know I'm not as, as up on my history as you are, uh, particularly in this vein, but I don't know if, if anyone ever identified the government as the enemy prior to Ronald Reagan. But philosophically, it's pretty clear that Republicans have always been the small government crew, mm -hmm. and the Democrats have always believed that government exists to solve problems. Right. And, and uh, yet it's ironic if Republicans are you know the, the flag bearers of small government, yet more often than not, they're portrayed as the law and order faction. Yeah. So it's, they're expected to do more with less. Um, well, you've got to be careful <laughs> of, of sweeping generalizations because there's going to be a contradiction someplace. True, true. Um, and, and, yeah, I think Reagan frequently stumbled into that. I mean, God knows, you know, one of his big things was pumping up the military. Right. Um, and the military is part of the government. Mm -hmm. But it's a sacred part of the government. Right, you know? right. Don't touch it. Yeah. And, <laughs> and a lot of people don't know, and this is one of the big bitches I have with the Democratic Party, and, you know, qualified qualification, I'm a lifelong Democrat, mm -hmm. is they don't realize how much a part of the overall economy the military is and how sure. many people that are em employed by the military industrial complex. And if you're going to start hacking away at that, you better have a, uh, an alternative for what people are going to do for jobs. Mm -hmm. you know? But yeah, I do think that was kind of a call and response thing. I think Clinton was very, very definitely answering Ronald Reagan's statement. Granted, it was, what, 16 years after yeah. the fact. But you know, it carries over. It does, mm -hmm. even, even sometimes to that extent. And then, uh, you know, two other snippets that came to mind as I'm, I'm reading through these. Actually, the third snippet was, 
I expected a, a loftier speech from, say, somebody like Teddy Roosevelt. Sure. Or even Andrew Jackson, for that matter. Yeah. Um, neither one delivered on that. They were good. They addressed issues uh, of the time. Yeah. But, you know, Teddy Roosevelt was more a man of, of deeds than words. Right. And a lot of times when they did pick up a soundbite from him, it was, it was a bit rough. Not no pun intended with the Rough Riders, but <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I've speak heard softly and he, carry a big stick. Yeah, he you was know, a I pretty mean, rough dude back in the right. day. Yeah. I mean, the guy, he, he had been the police commissioner of New York. In fact, some people say the character of, of Batman was based on Teddy Roosevelt. <laughs> and he would ride his bicycle around the streets of New York City at night looking for crime and whatnot. Yeah, you know? bash people in the right, head. Right, just yeah. a self-made guy. Yeah. But uh, snippets from two other speeches really um, kind of broke that the whole unity cycle. Okay. And if you indulge me, I like to touch on, on both of them. Sure. The first one was uh, from Jimmy Carter. Okay. okay. Yeah. Not so much a failed president as a failed presidency, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, totally. He wasn't able to rise to the issues of the time. Yeah. Okay. In hindsight, being 2020, who knows if anybody could have. Um, but when he was inaugurated, and I was a, a tiny lad when he took office, <laughs> but he was uh, a, a God-fearing man. Yeah. And um, I don't know about you, but I was rocking out to New York Groove at the time, <laughs> <laughs> and probably trying to steal some of his Billy beer that yeah, his brother just a little was, bit. was putting yeah, out. Indeed, indeed. Um, but he had said uh, a little snippet here: "You would give me a great responsibility to stay close to you, to be worthy of you, and to exemplify what you are." Speaking to the American people, yeah. Let us create together a new national spirit of unity and trust, because of course they're coming off the heels still of Watergate. Sure. And his first thing, his first line, which I didn't include, he thanked uh, Gerald Ford for stewarding us through that that yeah. transition. Yeah, a long national nightmare. Right. Yeah. And uh, he says, you know, let us learn together uh, to laugh together and work together and pray together, confident that in the end we will triumph together in the right. The American dream endures. You know, so kind of an uplifting. Positive tone. To that's the a that's a that's a frequent uh, uh, theme, I think, too. Is they invoke the American dream, right? You know that whole concept, the standard. Uh, that, that's that's a fairly frequent thing they do. And you would ask previously, you know, was anybody addressing government as as the boogeyman? You know, Carter couldn't do that, but that's how the government was perceived at the time because people right. didn't trust anybody at oh, that God, point. Oh God, coming off a of Watergate, right. coming off a of Watergate and Vietnam, and you know Vietnam, the one-two exactly. punch. Yep. Oh yeah, and he's he's, he's also. Um, I forget how long after he took office, the Iran hostage crisis, you know. Well, that, that yeah. The, well, I mean, the controversy surrounding the Shah of Iran. Right. Was already um, in effect. Yeah, yeah. You know, he had abdicated. We had sheltered him, apparently, mm -hmm. which wasn't going over well in the international community. And Not then, at all. And then, yeah, they took over the U.S. Uh, the U.S. Uh, embassy mm -hmm. in Tehran. I think that was 79. Yeah. So it was a couple of years into his presidency. Things weren't going well up to that point anyway. He was, right. He was dealing with a recession that, that the we energy couldn't, crisis was the energy crisis us. that we couldn't shake and then on top of that that shit went down yep yeah. Do you remember only being able to get gas on odd number of days I remember that yes and, and the lines yep. you my know. parents had uh, they had an extra set of license plates in the garage. <laughs> so whether it was like an odd number day or an even number, hey, if you need a gas, you always get gas. Nice. You know, Dad had a Cadillac. Mom had a, a Pontiac. So you got to feed the beast, oh, you know? Oh, God, yeah. But not to get off topic, um, a, a snippet from the one uh, inauguration speech that really broke from the norm 
was um, Eisenhower's. Okay. In 1953. Is 53. His first, yes, his first one. Yeah. Um, and in a snippet, he said, <clears throat> this one I'll read its entirety because it's, it's grave, I think is the best word to put on it. Yeah. This trial comes at a moment when a man's power to achieve good or to inflict evil surpasses the brightest hopes and the sharpest fears of all ages. We can turn rivers in their courses, level mountains to the plains, oceans and land and sky are avenues for our colossal commerce. Disease diminishes and life lengthens. Yet the promise of this life is imperiled by the very genius that has made it possible. Nations amass wealth, labor sweats to create and turns out devices to level not only mountains, but also cities. Science seems ready to confer upon us as its final gift, the power to erase human life from this planet. That's a bit dour, oh, even yeah. by today's well, standards. Put it in a context. Um, obviously, this was, you know, the height of the Cold War. Oh yeah, and uh, and yeah, there was a lot of lot of conflict between what science could create and science could destroy. And uh, it's interesting that you bring that up because I studied uh, uh, John F. Kennedy's uh, inaugural speech in 1961 after he mm -hmm. got elected in 1960. And he makes very definite reference to it. It's funny, it's not a direct, uh, hey, Soviet Union, I'm talking to you. Mm -hmm. But he makes a very, very def definite reference during his famous speech that concluded with, you know, ask not what your country can do for you, you know, what you can do for your country. But uh, he does talk about uh, man's ability to both feed every human being on Earth and destroy every human being on right, Earth. Right. So that was obviously something that those guys were grappling with mm. on a very, very heavy, heavy basis. And it's kind of funny because we still do possess that ability. Mm -hmm. And yet it's not... I mean, God, I remember it was much worse... Uh, stress during the 1980s. Oh yeah, you know, and it, it's 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 funny well, because it, it was different because you know you're living under the threat of global thermonuclear war yeah. constantly. Yeah, but there was only two kids on a block that had their fingers on the button, so to speak. I think things are much worse today. Oh, of course, because you don't There's know so many, where it's coming yeah, from. Yeah, so many <laughs> different people have nukes, but it's. It's kind of been relegated to a mutually assured destruction thing. Right. So the real threat isn't. You know, the Soviet Union or, you know, some rogue state like Iran or something like that setting off a nuke because that's the last thing you'll do. And, there's, you know, there's nobody, nobody in the world right now that rivals the military might of the United States. Yep. The big threat is the idiot with the suitcase nuke yep. in the subway in New York. That's the big fear. Yep. And they still say, according to a class I had taken in college, that there are 10 suitcase nukes still at large in this country whereabouts unknown unaccounted for since yeah. the fall of the soviet union <laughs> now if you want to stop and just think about that one folks yeah that'll probably keep you up at night well it's kind of interesting <laughs> that joe didn't mention any of that in his inaugural speech of course not. i don't think joe even knows about that he might not <laughs> he might not but again in his speech reiterating a theme that we've seen time and time and time again over the last 200 years, mm -hmm. Joe is calling for unity. Yep. You know, he you was calling think... for a renewal of our resolve. He was calling on dignity and respect of our neighbors. He made reference near the end of his speech about starting afresh. Yep. You know, it seems like so many times they're like 
I don't know, like high school principals, you know, <laughs> that are coming in after a brawl in the gymnasium right, at the Friday right. night basketball game saying, hey, we need to have some unity and some respect. <laughs> it's, it's a constant reiteration. It's like the American people are constantly at each other's throats. Yep. And then some poor bastard gets elected president and he's got to step up and say, hey, everybody, calm down. Right. Let's throttle it down and now. And I tell you what, man, you know, with the events of the, of the past month or some could argue the past four years, this is one of those instances where it really needs to get mentioned in yeah, the inauguration oh God, speech. Yeah. Because, and that's fine, because there's really nothing worse than when something becomes rhetoric because you know it's never going to get fixed. Yeah. And, yeah. and you could lump that with you know, race relations or religious tolerance or respect to the LGBTQ community. These things eventually, they, they turn into rhetoric because nothing ever really moves the needle but God forbid you're the one schlub that doesn't mention it in your speech. Well, you know, because <laughs> that's that's considered that you're against it. Then, if you yeah. don't mention it, well, I think Joe had a great moment during the speech that, in all the different inaugural speeches that I took a look at um, over the course of this week, you know, knowing that we were going to talk about this, um, he had a moment that none of the other presidents have had the benefit of. Uh, he mentioned the swearing in of Kamala Harris mm -hmm. as you know the first female vice president, uh, and then he perfunctorily said, don't tell me things don't change. Right. And I thought that was an absolutely epic moment in his speech. I mean, his, his, his inaugural speech was very pedestrian. It was very Joe Biden, quite mm -hmm. frankly. Mm -hmm. You know, he laid it out black and white, very little hoopla, very little rhetoric, very little rah-rah, but he, he punched down on that moment. And I thought that was, that was an emphasis that really needed... Uh, to be highlighted is don't tell me things don't change. Well, I tell you what, I've heard, and I can't, uh, well, one's very easy to prove, the other one's not so much. He's already had his, uh, his first two, well, for lack of a better word, gaffes, if you will. He's Joe. He's going to have gaffes. Come on now. <laughs> but they're not what you would expect. Mm. One of them I, I find incredibly funny, if it's true. The other I kind of take offense because I'm, I'm in the same like, ballpark as him. Um, well, the first one, he, he wore his Rolex to the inauguration. That's a bit of a presidential no-no because, uh, let's see, uh, President Obama had worn a, was it a Selena? It, put it this way, it was not a Rolex. It was not an Omega. It was not even a Breitling. Yeah. Um, Bush wore a Timex, as I believe uh, Bill Clinton also did. Yeah. It's kind of like the unspoken rule that, especially for those men of the generation where the watch was a big, you know, calling thing, card, right, sure. to tone it down. Yeah. <laughs> and they went on in the article to mention that, well, it was, it was the, uh, the perpetual movement date just model, which is the same one that I have. Yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't like one of the five-figure Rolexes that we've become accustomed <laughs> to. So I'm sitting there like, did I just inadvertently get slapped in the face by this article? I don't know. You go, Joe. You wear your Rolex with pride. And the other one was, and the only reason I think it's true is because I heard it from a very unlikely source, a sports radio talk show. Yeah. That apparently um, one of his first times now returning to the White House, whether off of Marine One or just you know getting dropped off at the door, mm -hmm. like a soccer game, <laughs> he um, until he gets used to this, and I'm sure all the presidents do this, they wear an earpiece, yeah. and people are coaching them through to acknowledge this one, salute this one, yeah. and somebody in the earpiece had said, make sure you salute the Marines. Yeah. Joe takes this and then says it out loud, make sure you salute the Marines <laughs> as he's doing it. <laughs> Well, first of all, <laughs> in regards to the Rolex thing, if you're really focusing on that amidst all the other problems that we have, you're an <laughs> asshole. 
All right. Exactly. Because look, You're you know me. I have a Rolex. I'm a good person. I'm not I, aloof. I, John, really I, much. Have, I have never once <laughs> taken any notice. Of what you're wearing on your wrist, I personally could give a shit. What? That means you just don't care. Is that one? Yeah, is that yeah. One you're pretty self-involved. Yeah. Then. And then, <laughs> yeah, yeah. tell me what else is new. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, the the marine thing that's a goof. But you know, he's Joe. We're gonna have gaffes. It's oh, gonna yeah. happen. Deal with it. But I yeah, the Rolex thing. Uh, if that's your thing, fuck you. You know, I want to see somebody play a joke on Joe and, and, <laughs> no. do, and do the old. Like Marty Feldman asked no. as they greet him at the door, walk this way. Don't do that to Joe, please. <laughs> Don't. But that would be kind of funny. I got you know, yeah, that would be. And Joe would a, lean in and say, you know, I'm the president of the United States, and I know a brilliant surgeon that could help you with that. Could help you with that hump. 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 hump? What hump? <laughs> Joe would play along. He would. He's he would. Joe. And I, I'm you sure know? the guy's got a good sense of humor. And I tell you what, I, I straight up wish him all the luck in the world. Him and Kamala, uh, their success is our the, success. If you're going to be the president now in 2021, with all the, sh- the, the, the shit storm of stuff he inherited, you goddamn right well better have a good sense of humor. Yeah. That's all yeah, I can definitely, say. Definitely. You, know, you better be able to roll with the punches because they're coming. You know? Oh, yes, they are. <laughs> yeah. But so be it. You know, so that's, it. that's the nature of the beast. Yeah. It, it truly is. It's just it's going to be a new day and age, and like you said several times, he's he's got a lot of challenges he's got to deal with, you know. But I will say my my overall feeling after uh, after witnessing the inauguration, the speech, Mm -hmm. you know, all the hoopla, Lady Gaga's dress, Michelle Obama's belt buckle. I heard about that. I heard about that. Another fuck you thing, you know. (laughs) If you're focusing on that, you're an asshole. But uh, but yeah, it just it it's we're the overall feeling is we turned a corner. Yeah. You know, for better or for worse, hopefully it's it's a good turn. Yep. And, you know, time will tell. We shall see. Exactly. So on that note, let's get out of this. See if let's could let's just do that. Let's put do our that. toe in the water of politics. Yeah, and then yeah. Now, now remind, me, remind me again, you know, what we're doing with the gems today. I know we had a kind okay. of a theme well, Yeah, well, thing now see, with each gem, you can flesh it out a little more. Yeah. So as we travel across this great land of ours, I wish I had like a John Houston voice yeah, or something. Yeah, it feels like it, yeah, it, yeah. Um, you know, we started with back in the New York group, of course, representing the East Coast. Indeed. We're talking the New York Daily News. Bagels, steam coming out the, uh, the 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 sewage grates in the street. Oh yeah, New York very much dictates East Coast culture. Yes. It truly does. Yeah. So now we're moving across, just about crossing the Mississippi, the mighty Mississippi. I like it. But let's take a hard left all the way down to Nolens. All right. And Cajun country with this little ditty about Americana. I'm 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 I'm, I'm feeling some credence. My Coming friend, on. it is all credence. One of my favorite songs, possibly of all time. Nice. Not even shitting you. All right. Born on the Bayou. All so right. we're going to play that for you, folks. And we'll be back in a couple minutes with some more things and stuff.
give me some more of that. Seriously, because you just want to whip out like a, like a K-bar and just go <laughs> running through these puddles and shit. It's a great visual song. Oh, man, it's amazing. Know? Absolutely amazing. And, and I, I am, to this day, absolutely flummoxed and, and, and knocked out by John Fogarty. And let's, let's face it, Creedence Clearwater Revival was John Fogarty. Yeah. John Fogarty and three other dudes. Um, his ability, I mean, they were from Northern California. And his ability to, to just somehow capture, <laughs> you know, I mean, it, 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 it's, it, it, he's a true artist in that respect. Yep, yep. You know, they, how in the hell did they know the vibe of the bayou? And how did they know what a hoodoo was? <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's a really good, I'm still not sure what the hell a hoodoo is. You know? But uh, but just yeah just amazing amazing yeah, how they totally. managed to and do it's, that. It's equally amazing that with only four albums to their credit, that Creedence amount uh, amassed the amount of hits that they did in such oh, a man. short time frame. Just reeled them off one right. after the other, and uh, and yeah makes them a, a very viable candidate. Um, one that I would not dispute as far as you know being inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Interesting you know? segue, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Almost as if you thought that through and planned it. Had a bit of an agenda on that one, I did. I did. You know? Because oddly enough, yes, it's that magical time again. Oy. It's time for this year's uh, class, well, shortly at least, to, uh, to go into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Can I put that in air quotes? Or I think you should, you know. Whatever? And, it's, and it's something that's so funny because it's so inconsequential and yet it is so, like, will you know, result in us throwing furniture at each other. Right. It which truly is, Which will. is the only way that it succeeds still, other than <laughs> as, as a tourist trap, yeah. is to make music nerds like us argue about Very good point. the choices. Very good okay? point, because I've often wondered at what the relevance to this is anymore. Right. Um, and I, I, I will asterisk that by saying the last thing in the world I want to do is piss off Jan Wenner, who pretty much, you know, he's, uh, for those of you who don't know, you know, he created Rolling Stone, the magazine, now the institution. He was the guy, you know, that was the spearhead to creating the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He is on a fuck you level with David Geffen. <laughs> and if he hears this broadcast and I suddenly disappear... Yeah, we'll both be assassinated. I, I brought it on myself. You know? <laughs> to which I say, screw him, okay? Because we oh, will not be silenced. All right, very this is, good. This is 2021. Right. This is true. This and look, is true. we did an episode last year, our loyal two or three listeners will attest to, Yes. Um, where we railed against the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame yes. last time. Thinking and that its relevance or lack thereof. Right. Yeah. Well, it's only gotten worse yeah i'm okay. yeah i know so, i know let's bring oh people up God. to speed if they haven't seen so far yet um who the uh, the assumed uh nominees are going to be well, this well year. let's let's back up let's talk about who the 2020 inductees were okay, okay. that was the start of this fire uh, okay um, fair enough correct me if i'm wrong but that was depeche mode um, yep. The Doobie Brothers, which you and I did fence about. Uh, I threw a water bottle at you. I remember like it was yesterday. And, and <laughs> yes, yes. And <laughs> I ducked. But for whatever it's worth, Nine Inch Nails was among the class, the Notorious B.I.G., uh, T-Rex, and, of course, Whitney Houston. <laughs> a name synonymous with rock and roll. No, not even a little. Yeah. <laughs> All equally worthless. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah so that's a, what started this ball yeah, rolling. yeah. And, and the, it, the controversy, the controversy. Yes, because let's face it, um, I'm looking at this and just, again, my opinion, other than the Doobie Brothers and T-Rex, I don't see any rock and roll acts on here. As, as much as I, I dug Depeche Mode, um, and you and I 
you know, have discussed how I feel about the Doobie Brothers. Thick weed. Yeah, I'm I'm in complete. Philistine. <laughs> I'm in complete agree with complete agreement with you. And you know, now that it has come up again, and it should be noted that uh, that the Rock Hall of Fame, courtesy of COVID nineteen, has changed their whole timing. Yes. Now, yes. as far as when they you know announce inductees and when they actually induct them. Yep. Um. You know, I come back to the same questions that, you know, unfortunately you and I discussed last year around this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the criteria? Uh, has the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, just become an extension of the Grammys? It's based on sales figures and whose ass we can kiss. Well, I tell you what, um, before we dive headfirst into that, because, yeah, those are questions that need answering. Yeah. Uh, I just want to include the... Uh, well, the, the unattached quote, and I pulled this off of uh, Cleveland.com, okay. which we, we've been spending quite a bit of time kind on. Kind of funny about that, huh? Yeah. Because there's a lot of interesting rock and roll stuff on Cleveland.com. Cleveland rocks. Go man. figure, yeah, right? I know. And they had a piece talking about uh, these very same inductees from last year and how they're going to uh, at least feature them this year uh, on the program. Yeah. Uh, but they said, however, <laughs> here's where the quote starts. There will be no live performance as the team behind the special thought they would be, again, quotes, boring. Ho! Ho! So if that isn't a personal indictment and of their choices... A total admission. <laughs> well, then God. again, I mean, yeah, Whitney's dead. But really, nobody performs their own songs at these Hall of Fame things. It's always an homage by... A contemporary. Yeah, maybe maybe prior to recent years, but when they first started it, these guys jammed. I mean, that was the high point. And, uh, you're right. They would jam the like show. with somebody, but yeah. it was never just them getting up doing something. They kind of made a and and it, what, another thing that was amusing about it was the bands that refused to jam with right. you know certain people. <laughs> right. I mean, we talk about John Fogerty. He refused to play yep. with the yep. rest of the idiots in Creedence Clearwater Revival because they're busy with so many other projects. Oh yeah. <laughs> You know, Blondie, uh, notably, had a, had a big issue with, huh. with getting together and playing with certain people. But, uh, but yeah, it, you know, it conjures up questions about uh, relevance yep. and whatnot. And, and, you know, personally, I think the questions that should be asked are, are, you know, should this be potentially rechristened as just the Music Hall of Fame? And, and have different branches, you know, branches for R&B, branches yep. for punk, branches for... You know, uh, uh, I don't know R and B or whatever mm-hmm. uh, branches for rap, you which know? is where, to a point, I feel that the Big Boom Radio Awards excel in a different direction because at least we break it up by time period. Oh yeah. So you're kind of comparing apples to apples in each one of those time periods. Absolutely. And you're right. And I would have no qualms whatsoever about renaming it the Music Hall of Fame because there needs to be one, right? Yeah. And maybe combine. Because I'm sure there's a Motown one. I know there's a country music one. Sure. Combine them all under the same roof and have different wings, like oh, Disneyland. Yeah. Talk yeah. about like an attraction. Yeah. And a good example of this would be somebody who, uh, you know, the pundits, the, the the music critics out there believe would be most uh, most likely inductee this year. Right. Uh, Jay Z. You know. Yeah. By all accounts, the guy's brilliant. He's an absolute genius. You know, he's made an incredible impact on on popular music. But is he rock and roll? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You know, so, you know, create a wing for this guy. Yeah. Well, I should, I should stop right there. Before we continue, I'm going to yes. warn the audience. Oh, God. We are going to disagree 
about these choices. We're going to go down the list now, aren't we? And well, oh, at some point, goodness. I mean, it's <laughs> down the toilet, down the rabbit hole, because we tried, Michael, Sean, Lee, and I, before the show to kind of gauge each other's interest in these uh, select acts that haven't gotten into the Hall of Fame yet. And now there are vodka stains on the walls <laughs> of the studio at Big Boom Radio, courtesy of what we threw at each other. I wanted to cut them. Touch me, and I'll kill you. I yes, did. I he s- did. He did. And, it gets you know, heated. Maybe, maybe it was justified, but this is something that is near and dear to our hearts, so we get passionate right. about it. We both do. barrels, both sides. Absolutely. Frankly, I'm tired of agreeing with your ass, and it's time <laughs> to throw down. So this is the perfect venue for it. That being said, do continue with the presumptive nominees. Well, you know, we only, we only, the only time we even flirt with agreeing is on the air. People should know that when, <laughs> when we have our own discussions off the air, you know, in show prep and whatnot, yeah, the shit goes down. It truly does. I fucking does. hate them. I do. <laughs> Send help. But in, yeah, in discussing this year's most likelies, yeah, some shit got broken, some yep. shit got thrown across the table. So go ahead now, continue. Let's see if our listeners even heard of half of these groups. That's well, again, it's, it's out there. I'm I'm debating what the criteria is, and uh, and you know what 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 are we basing this on? Are we basing this on sales figures, or are mm-hmm. we basing this on impact and it's, influence? It's a cadre of some kind of of artsy individuals in a, in a star chamber somewhere. I'm thinking so. That just bandy about a bunch of names, and I'm sure they've got their reasons. Yes, but they've they've lost sight of. What rock and roll is? Yeah. Just, it's, there's no other way to, to put mean, it than there, that. There, there was some com- there was some common ground in our pre-show discussion. I mean, you know, Wilco, D'Angelo. Um, I think we were both in agreement about Garbage and Incubus. Great bands, great yeah. bands, no doubt about it. I've seen them both live on numerous occasions and and loved it. Um, but are they are they qualified to be in a rock and roll hall of fame that also includes the Rolling Stones and Led Zeppelin, right? And you know, guys like Chuck Berry. Yep. Uh, I think the thing that, that that prompted the throwing of vodka was the Foo Fighters. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you felt uh, here it comes, folks. Well, actually, you, you didn't even have a feeling. You made a face. Yeah, <clears throat> it was a very distinctive face, if I remember right. correctly. Right, so let, let's break this down so everyone else can appreciate it. Now, we have a very close working relationship. We do this almost like once a week, you know, several hours. Yes. And even though we enjoy each other's company and we get along and we, we respect each other's opinions, it's kind of like a marriage. And In a lot of respects. In a lot of respects. So for you married fellas out there... yeah. Uh, and, ladies, and just like a, ma- we'll get to you in a minute. Just, just like a marriage, <laughs> we do not have sexual relations. Yeah, just typical just like a marriage. marriage. Typical. But sometimes when they don't answer your question or give an actual opinion, they just make that <laughs> face, like Ugh, or roll their eyes, or "Honey, you know something fun that we should do," and that you're greeted with, with with that face. Yes. And you want to punch them, but the local laws say you can't. It and it goes like both ways. It goes both ways. I, I, I give him the face on the Foo Fighters. He gives me the face on Jane's Addiction. You know, it's a two-way street. It truly Look, you is. you can't compare the, the contributions of the Foo Fighters with the contributions of Jane's Addiction. Like, hell I can't. No, because one has had mainstream success, and one is, is a bit of a niche and one, group. And one created Lollapalooza, you know? <laughs> Poor deluded child. And so it goes, folks. This is what we're right. talking about right. here, you know? I mean, my only... Uh, uh, and, and, you know, it's funny because there's mutual respect. I absolutely love the Foo Fighters. Right, right this second. You know, I would... <laughs> 
I would I would drop everything, including the show, to go see the Foo Fighters right <laughs> but now. But so you should have said that. Oh, Instead, you made a that. face. Well, well, like, oh. the face was supposed to communicate that thought. I, you know, I mean, maybe it didn't. Am I bad? Okay. I, I was like Ben Franklin visiting King George. Okay, <laughs> and I walk into the room on bended knee with a parchment declaration, professing my loyalty and fealty, and asking just for. A little bit of levity with, with the tax situation. See, people but the are starving. Big difference between that was if I was King George, I would have had him executed on well, the he spot. Well, he did. He tried to release B on me. Well, he yelled, "Release the hounds!" And she just looked at both of us and licked and, her butt. I mean, yeah, but yeah. still, I think she took a dump on the steps. I, I was, think she did. <laughs> I was of the opinion that I love the idea of the Foo Fighters, but they're still making music. So the only you know consistent. Um, Itinerary that that the Rockville Hall of Fame puts out there is that it has to be 25 years since yeah. their first release. It seems like it's that, and after that, anything goes. All right, then it's the you Wild know? West. I mean, <laughs> I would argue hard for a band like the Go Go's. You know, the Go Go's sold a shit ton of albums. They were the first band consisting of all women who played all their own instruments, wrote all their own songs. What about the Runaways? No, they no. didn't write all their own songs. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, but the, a good argument could be made for the yeah, Runaways. Another, they're another they group were, that's They were a groundbreaker, and they influenced just about every band that had any girls in, you know, that came after them. Right. You know, a good argument could be made for they should be in there. Yep. And a good argument could be made for the Go-Go's they should be in there, well, but they're I'm not. Well, I'm glad you, you spoke up for a female group, because I was thinking that you were really being sexist. A misogynist prick, well, Yeah, yes. well, because I mentioned... Pat Benatar. <laughs> and again, folks, he gave me the look. Aside from the fashion statement that Pat made in the <sighs> 80s, you know, I do remember all of my, you know, high school classmates dressing just like Pat Benatar prior to, you know, the Madonna era. Uh -huh, you know, uh -huh. Madonna obviously took fashion tips from Pat Benatar. But what, what, what new ground did you Pat You could not break? turn on the radio without one of her hits being played. But does that they qualify you? They used her music you? in movies. I mean, she was all over the does place. Does that qualify you for Hall yes. of Fame induction? Yes, it does. Well, that's the question that needs to be answered then. Was well, I just did. Qualifying? Well, I don't think so. You didn't, you didn't go ask the king upon the mountain. You asked me, and I'm saying, <laughs> yeah, shit ton of record sales, and and being you know part of the culturally relevant of a decade should get you in. Yeah, it just doesn't knock me out, man. I oh, don't know. Well, keep it does up, does she out. hold a candle to the Rolling Stones? You no, know, but is that she can't up there be the in the same test. pantheon with the with Led Zeppelin. Then nobody would get in if, if you made all. And you're going to say Jane's Addiction? Well, maybe so. Well, yeah, can, I, would, can, I would. I would hold Jane's Addiction up to that. Jane's Addiction that standard. is not qualified to serve cocktails at a Rolling Stones party. Okay. <laughs> ooh, ooh. <laughs> Damn, fighting words. Folks. That's what's up with that. Right. But wait, folks, it got even better. Now, mm. me being more of the classic rock guy, yes. and, and Michael being a proponent of all the contributions of the '90s. This is true. I tried to meet him halfway, and I, I said, well, what about the Smashing Pumpkins? And he poo-pooed on that, too. Love the Pumpkins, truly do, from Gish on. I've been a big fan, but I just don't see where they... They, they kind of occupy their own pantheon, and I'll give that to them, but I don't see the influence that, that came after them. And I could be wrong. I could very well be wrong. He didn't like Jethro Tull. Going well, that's all of fame. I mean, that's you know that they obvious. were MTV's first heavy metal artist of the year award <laughs> winner. That carries some weight, sir. Who's Jethro Tull? I remember the controversy. I remember it well. 
I remember all the guys in Metallica turning green at that announcement. Perhaps the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is just anti-flatness. It was the height of absurdity. It truly was. It truly was. But yes, these are all questions that plague you know, the whole Hall of Fame induction thing. Right, right. And they're questions that need to be answered. They need to be addressed. I mean, and, and pioneers like Link Ray, you know, not only is he one of the few Native American rock and roll stars, yep. but in the period of the 50s, introducing songs like Switchblade and Rumble set the tone for really modern rockabilly as well as rockabilly back then for once it got plugged in. For Rumble alone, I would argue, right? for his induction. I mean, at least, because there's got to be you know, active artists and bands that get in. But then there's also got to be things like, I don't know, lifetime achievement, yep. uh, technical merit, inventing new techniques and Absolutely. whatnot. Absolutely. Absolutely. But these people, either one way or the other, they need to be in a building that has the audacity to call itself the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah. Yeah. Really. A lot of questions Otherwise, to be Otherwise, it's just a, a, a big building that's not as popular as south of the border because I don't think you can get fireworks there. And it's in Cleveland. Right. Cleveland. <laughs> no need for discourse on that one. Oh, my, my. But, yeah, I think we both agree that, uh, that the 2020 inductees were uh, pretty limp. And, uh, <laughs> and the most likelies for 2021 are even more disappointing. Right. You now, know? maybe, again, because they had to skip a year... Maybe they'll, they'll mush the two classes together and give some kind of performance out of that. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. But just... Damn, I mean, yeah. it, it's a mess. It's a tourist trap. It and really is. It really is. And, you know, for those of us that actually, you know, value uh, the cultural impact and the cultural significance of rock and roll, particularly, the, the you know, over the over the years since since the form was created. Um, yeah, we need answers to these questions. We truly do. Right. Right. You know, and I'd like to see that happen this year. Well, good luck. I don't know, but maybe in the age of Biden, <laughs> anything's possible. Hey, wait a minute. I'm, a the, cynical, world, I'm man. the cynical prick here. Hold on a second. <laughs> so let's get out of this deep dumpster let's, dive. Let's do that. Let's do that. And I do believe you've got a very important contribution to I our Songs Across the Nation. I do. I think I do. I, I, I feel very good about this one. These guys are, are without a doubt, representatives of the West Coast. Um. You know, they have been for many, many years, and, and it appears that they will be for a few more years anyway. Um, and the title of the song speaks for itself. Um, Red Hot Chili Peppers. This is a song called Californication. And there it is, folks. We'll play this one for you. We'll be back in a couple more minutes with some more things. And...
Solid tune. Yeah. Solid yeah. tune. There are a few songs uh, that really, really encapsulate the whole Southern California experience. Yep. Like Californication. Um, lyrically, I mean, just that album, which I believe came out in 1999. Yep. Just a, a remarkable maturity yeah. uh, in the Chili Peppers, and in particular in Anthony Kiedis' lyric writing and whatnot. That was just a phenomenal, phenomenal album. Yeah. I definitely consider that along with... Uh, no doubt, it's Tragic Kingdom. Yeah, uh, one or two different Stone Devil Pilots albums. Yep. Uh, Atlantis Morissette, 
the, my my soundtracks of the '90s, and that, yeah. that Red Hot's one was definitely one of them at the end there. Very much so. Very much. And you're so. right. Showed a stark maturity from uh, material in the past. Musically, not necessarily better or, or worse, but maturity level noticeably yeah. higher. Yeah, they grew up with that album. They really did. Yep. And uh, and yeah, just just with that song in particular, just nailed it. Mm-hmm. Nailed the Southern California experience. So. Bravo and props to the Chili Peppers on that one. Good gems all around. See, we yeah. told a little... We the, wove the, the a tapestry. Americana experience. Right, from, from the East Coast to the West Coast. That's how the, the gems ideally should be. We're weaving a tapestry. Indeed. That's my word now. I like that word. <laughs> tapestry. Weaving? Oh, tapestry. Okay, yes. very good. Very yes. good. All right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so anyway. what's going on in Big Boom Radio these days, John? Oh, the same old shit. Okay. Uh, here's what comes to mind. Um, I had petitioned a, another radio hosting company, Radio.com, to yes. offer us on their uh, list of stations. We'll see what happens with that. All right. That's like one of those takes a couple weeks for them to get back as they judge our merits, so oh, to speak. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Hope they listen. To Judgment. <laughs> oh Jesus! Here we go. <laughs> so we got that. Um, I've retooled and added some more artists uh, into the classic rock showcase lineup. All right. Uh, some that just for whatever reason just got lost, and okay. I, I had to redo them. Like George Thurgood, went looking for him, couldn't find it. No kidding. Uh, we've done an, an eclectic piece on Jimmy Buffett for you know relaxing All Fridays. Right. There we go. Yeah. Couldn't find that, so boom, redid it, put it nice. back in there. Nice. Uh, good fun stuff all around, and uh, you know we're still full steam ahead with your own pet project. Uh, yes, little punk rock madness. I yes, like Blitz it. Creek Bop, eight p.m. on Thursdays. So far, uh, I don't know. I haven't had anybody call up and hate it. I think Thursday is <laughs> is a is a good day to get your punk rock on. Especially yeah, Thursday's Thursday always night. like that yeah. left handed kind of day. It is. Now it's it Friday is. Eve. You don't know who, what to do. Who isn't hungover on Friday? You know what I mean? Bingo. So yeah, you want to break <laughs> shit Thursday night, eight o'clock, folks. Blitz Blitz Creek Bop. There and you it's go. been uh, fun doing it under your supervision. You know. Um, it's been good fun. Yeah, good it, fun. it puts me just in the studio. I can get off of the microphone. <laughs> you get to pick out the songs, tell well, me been, what you I've want to hear. I've been impressed by Johnny Teflon's punk chops. You, you've shown a little little depth of knowledge that I well, did not I, expect. I wet my beak in everything. All right. But I choose not to specialize in any one particular style. Very good. Very good. So, yeah, like I could hold my own in a conversation about punk rock, but that's about it. And, uh, you know, I don't. I don't consider myself a legitimate connoisseur of the genre. Yeah, um, I leave that for other people. You know, because I do know quite a few folks that are just could rattle off, you know, bands and lyrics and why this one's better than that one and this and that. And I'm just not at that level with you my know, knowledge. You know, there, there, there are a few genres that that promote the kind of debate. Yes, uh, that punk yes. rock does, and who's in and who's out, and who's yep. punk and who's not. So yeah, it's it's yeah. it's controversial. It's very. It is. It's very insider, um, and it it it. it Makes you two sides, you know, basically. <laughs> it, really it really does. It truly does. Um, none of the other stuff that we really do. I mean, you saw a little bit of it um, back in the days of, of the hair metal bands. Yeah. Um, but that genre in and of itself just came and went so fast. But uh, now, and surprisingly, it's like the Scrubs sound so much better than the marquee acts, like the Poison and the White Snake and everything. Right, right. Occasionally, you'll find a gem just by some dirty bunch of individuals yeah. and you look at him you're like wow so this is what Guns N' Roses would have been like if they didn't make it big you know <laughs> yeah. one song and psh, never hit from here and gone yeah it, it can happen that fast in yeah. rock and roll man yeah. absolutely so in, in general to answer your question fun stuff like that whimsical stuff still having a good time with it 
Uh, as always, folks, if you have any ideas, whether you want to hear a show, you want to hear a song, or if it's something you'd like for us to talk about here on Riffs let and Rants. Know. Let us know. Of course. I ain't giving give my phone number out, because <laughs> please, I watch the evening news. I see what's out there. Trash. I don't want some QAnon jackasses yeah, we're not, calling me. we're not having that. No, <laughs> no, no. Or some liberal tambourine thumpers, for that matter. Look out for the sandals. <laughs> Look out for the sandals. But what you can do is gladly send an email to john at bigboomradio.com. I check it at least twice a day, and I love some of the comments and things I've gotten so far. One of these days, we're going to read some viewer mail I, I on the air. I look forward to that, because some of that viewer mail is uh, yeah. it's eclectic. It's, it's kind of like the, uh, the skits they do on the talk shows with mean tweets. Because <laughs> yes. it's amazing yes. how opinionated people are when they're anonymous or using a oh, nom yeah. de guerre. Or I love the ones <laughs> that start off, dear assholes. That, yes. Uh, always, yes. always that, okay, we're in for a good one now. Let's check this shit Hold out. on, let me get another cup of coffee for this one. <laughs> But anyway, that's that, and this is this, and that's all for this episode of Riffs and Rants. Thank you for joining us, as always. I'm Johnny Teflon. And I'm Michael Sean Lee. And we'll see you all on the flip side.